0: everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Abby, and this is episode 62 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com podcast. And RV Miles is also on social media. We are at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, and of course, Wanderbus are at ourwanderingfamily.com and we are also on youtube facebook pinterest sometimes instagram and twitter
0: (laughs) this week we are talking the black hills of south dakota and custer state park where we currently are and And don't
1: want to be (laughs) starting tomorrow to flee
0: because (laughs) six to ten inches of snow are on their way we've had lovely decent weather i mean it has gotten a a fair bit cold but we've had some pretty warm days as well
1: yeah uh, it's gotten kind of ugly the last couple of days yeah, but that's to be expected it's october night,
0: but uh big big snowstorm on the way so we're actually going to drive just south out of the mountains and go back to where we were last week at the angostura recreation area and uh wasn't
1: what we had <laughs> planned at where, all where we, we should only do get
0: it. Uh, one to three inches of snow and uh we, we thought we were trying to figure out a way. We're on our way to Salt Lake City. We were trying to figure out a way. Like, do we just leave today and head towards Salt Lake City? Uh, what do we do to avoid the snow? And the snow is going to cover the entire state of Wyoming. So there was little we could do. So we're going to just go south, accept the snow, embrace the snow. Some of us are. And wait for it to be plowed away. <laughs> then we're going to drive to Salt Lake City. How about yeah. that?
1: That. <laughs> There's really no other choice at this point.
0: So So we're going to talk about our time here at Custer State Park, and we're going to talk about the Black Hills pretty much the next three weeks. We're going to have some different things on on this area. Uh, But this week, we're going to talk about Custer State Park itself and the two great scenic drives here that you can take, uh, as well as the great Buffalo Roundup that happens annually, which we highly, highly enjoyed. We've got news, we've got a new Brain Teaser, we've got the answer to last week's Brain Teaser, a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean.
1: And this year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, Monuments, preserves, lakeshores, and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home, especially if you live in Rapid City.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot going on around (laughs) here. Yes,
1: there's a lot that you can check out in regards to National Park here. However, L.L. Bean is very proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation, and they encourage you to discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com.
0: All right, this week, before we get to the news, we want to get into a, a a listener question that we had emailed to us. Larry in Michigan asked that we mention quite often on, on the podcast that uh, we don't have enough time to do some things in different locations. And we often spend, you know, two weeks in a location, sometimes more. It's or quite- two days.
1: <laughs> it just really depends on the location.
0: Larry's question is, why not? Since we're full time, what's the rush? Please don't see this as a criticism. I'm genuinely curious.
1: Yes. And Larry is a longtime listener, first time caller, and we (laughs) appreciated his email so much and he will be full time starting in the spring. So he was very curious about kind of how we travel and why we don't have enough time. And to be honest, so much of it is very situational for us. A lot of it could be because we have a commitment later on down the road For instance, we know that by October 25th, we want to be in a suburb of Los Angeles. We're going to be staying with my brother. We're spending Halloween with him and his family. We know we have that coming up. It's definitive. And so sometimes we get to an area and it surprises us and we really like it. But because we know we have this commitment only a few short short weeks away, but thousands of miles away, we kind of have to make the choice to move on.
0: Yeah, and and of course in addition we're not just, you know, vacationing full time. We're we're busy with work a lot of the time. We we a lot of the time. Are, are, yes. <laughs> um we're we're homeschooling kids, but although getting out and exploring things is is the biggest part of that. We also like to spend a lot of time in one place. I think a lot of people would come to say this area, the Black Hills, and they might spend A weekend here and they might drive a scenic drive, go see Mount Rushmore, go see Devil's Tower, take a drive through Custer, take a drive through Wind Cave. And and that's what they would do.
1: That's a really busy weekend, Jason. (laughs)
0: But but (laughs) they would be on vacation, first of all. But some of those people like to just stop and see something and move on where we'll go to something like Mount Rushmore and spend the entire day there. Um. We'll go to a park like Wind Cave and want to spend several days there. And I think that just that's there's nothing good or bad about that. That's just how we are. We like to spend more time in certain places. And that causes us to be shortchanged at other places.
1: Yeah, I think a great example of that is when we got to that Army Corps of Engineer campground uh, just on the South Dakota, Nebraska border right by Lewis and Clark State Park. We got there. It was a perfect setup for our family. It was the spot was right next to this wonderful playground, beautiful bathhouses, beautiful location, such kind camp hosts. It really just resonated with us. And we pulled in, and within 15 minutes, we had gone from staying there for four days to staying there for 11 days. We loved it so much, but that then changed a lot of our plans because again, it was part of our we're heading towards California. We're just choosing to come up and around. I also said to Larry, too, that a lot of times it also depends on the campground. You know, we strive to stick to a budget on the road, and sometimes we can't always pay like what we would prefer to pay for a campground. So if we have to go over that budget, Then we're not going to stay at that campground as long as we would like to. And we're going to have to sort of maybe trim in other places. Again, that's situational for us. Everyone's budget out on the road is very different. So, so many factors kind of come into it. But it is a really interesting question. And I appreciated him asking because there is, I think, sometimes this idea that, oh, you're on the road full time. You have a lot of freedom to go where you want to go when you want to go. And that is 50% true. But the other 50% is, is you are still sort of bound, especially if you're working, especially if you do make plans or want to have specific goals for your travels in mind. If you're only out on the road for a year or two and you have very specific things you want to accomplish, those really also dictate. Our kids also really dictate how we travel. Yeah. So absolutely loved that question. Thank you, Larry, for letting us share it and enjoy going full-time in the spring.
0: So if you have a question you'd like to ask us, we'd be happy to answer it on the show. Just send us an email over at editor at rvmiles.com, or you can message us on any of our social media platforms.
1: Yes, and hey, really quick, before we move back into the news, to everyone who sent us a message, loving Jack and Ethan on the podcast last week. Thank you. You just made their little week. They were so thrilled that so many people appreciated hearing them. And we've had a lot of people request that they return and have their own little segment. So we're probably going to have them back in the next couple of weeks. We're kind of fleshing out maybe what would be a good topic for them. They have a lot of things they want to talk about. But to everyone who contacted us, you really did make their day. Thank you.
0: All right, let's dig into the news of the week. First of all, this is this is kind of a... Funny story. Camping World in Statesville City. What state is this in? North Carolina. Camping World, Statesville City, North Carolina. They have a massive American flag there. And the city council is telling them they have to take it down. And Camping World is saying no. The CEO of Camping World, Marcus Limonis, has gotten involved, saying, no, I'm not taking the flag down.
1: His tweet about it was (laughs) I, this is the reason why it ended up in the news this week because I read his tweet, and part of it made me laugh because he basically said, "My business, my flag, my property, not taking it down. Goodbye."
0: So the the city has uh, the city council has a ordinance limiting flag sizes to twenty five by forty feet,
1: not inches. So- let's just let's okay. So let's just put this into so- some context. So twenty five feet. By 40 feet, they're saying, hey, that's as big as the American flag or any flag should be displayed here in our, our fair city.
0: So the, they're, they're saying that the, clearly this flag is bigger it's than that.
1: Clearly very much uh, so. Which
0: is, I mean, that's big. But the, the issue that the city council is saying is that because they can't, you know, tell people which flags to fly, that somebody could be flying a flag that is offensive that's that size. And I'm kind of thinking, well, they can fly an offensive flag up to 25 by 40 feet. Yeah. Why does it I really mean, matter at that point?
1: Yeah, we're splitting hairs here. here at that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're going to set a size limit and then you're going to split hairs on whether or not the flag is going to be offensive. I, I don't have, I've, I, can't, I haven't seen it. I don't know how big it is. I just think the fact that it's made national news and that Camping World has a petition that you on their Twitter page, they are encouraging you to go and sign this petition and basically tell the council, let them have their flag. I just, I, I couldn't not talk about it and put it in the news when I saw it. I thought, okay, this is, this is like, it's, it's size gate. This is, that's the name I'm going to give it now where this is SizeGate.
0: Maybe is this a good time to get into the, the flying J pilot controversy? I don't know what or do that we is want to avoid that you don't know what that is no oh my goodness this, see Abby doesn't spend time in the RV Facebook groups no this, this is... has been established the only <laughs> Facebook
1: group I spend time in and I hope that you listening will as well is the RV miles travel forum I do not have time for anything else
0: so there has been this thing going around through the RV Facebook groups and and elsewhere about flying J pilot it's a the, they're the same company, right? And a Flying J had taken taken their flag down, or a pilot. I'm not sure which one. And somebody posted on the internet that somebody at the Flying J told them that it was because foreigners were offended by the American flag. <laughs> 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 which is the most ridiculous thing in the first place. I don't care what what political... what part of the political spectrum you're on the idea that people coming to america are (laughs) offended by the flag doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the first place but so this i mean this spread like wildfire and it caused flying J pilot to put out a statement saying no actually this flagpole was damaged and that's why that flag had been taken down and they had to repair it so now people are going around saying oh i don't get fuel from pilot flying J anymore because they won't fly the American flag. And of course they do, there are several, I mean, I've seen many that do still fly the American flag, but they'll take pictures of ones without the American flag and say, see, they don't fly the American flag. Well, those are ones that never had it in the first place. So they're taking the fact that they're seeing a pilot or a flying J without an American flag as a sign that pilot flying J has taken all their American flags down. Isn't I mean, and the company has said, "Look, we were founded by a veteran." And you go into one, and they sell all kinds of American-themed products. Oh, they're
1: very, they're (laughs) very patriotic. This, the fact that this is even a question, is very surprising to me. But again, this is why, this is why I just have decided in my own personal life to really limit my social media interactions because. I want to be an individual who strives to see the good before I see the negative in people and places. And I just think sometimes that social media does not encourage that. Do not get me wrong. I love social media for so many other things, but these groups and thank you RV Miles Travel Forum Group for being so cool and not picking up on this hysteria. This didn't even Touch. in This that has group? been
0: going on for since like March.
1: March of this year.
0: <laughs> it might have even been going on since last year.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: it's at least That's March of this. Unfortunate.
1: That's really yeah. unfortunate. Well, I am sorry for Flying J that they have to put so much of their PR time into managing this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let Let's talk about another piece of news that is also very, very shocking because we keep having. To talk about it, we
0: have said three times this year on yes. this show. Three times we have said that a Boy Scout troop has had all their camping gear and their camping trailer stolen.
1: And now we're going to say it for the fourth time.
0: The fourth time this year. This is this time. It is the uh, an Albuquerque Boy Scout troop has had their trailer full of thousands and thousands of dollars that they have gone out and raised money to buy worth of camping gear stolen from them
1: okay can i ask just a really quick question though and because you have been following these stories and i just hear them through you why are we not securing these trailers yeah. so that they can't be boosted i just that's my first thing i am not trying to blame these boy scout troops i think this is something we talk about all the time is i would really like you to keep the lock on our dolly on a regular basis because it's very easy. I, again, I just said, I want to find the good in all people, but here I am now saying,
0: finding the bad in me. Great. (laughs) Sorry. No, no, but here's the deal is the lock, the locks that you put on the tongue of a trailer are no matter which one you get, unless you get like, there are some really massive ones. Um, Or you put a boot on the trailer. We've seen some Airstream owners putting boots on their wheel. They're, they're easy to get off. I mean, you can get them off and, the thing is, they're not stealing. They're not wanting the camping gear. They are wanting the trailer, and most people store their trailers on their property, on their in their yard, in a fenced-in area, uh, in RV storage or something like that. Most of these Boy Scout camping trailers have been in a parking lot of a church or a school you know easy access no gates or anything like that okay to come in and boost them really quickly and i think that's it's horrible we've seen it from from them mainly
1: and i've said i've said this before you know you see that boy scout emblem on the side and you see that troop Uh, number and you still go up and you take it no why do you see that and then still take it knowing that you're taking something really hard earned from these kids these boys that They had to sell a lot of, what do Boy Scouts sell?
0: Boy Scouts sell popcorn. I know it's really nowhere near as cool as Girl Scout cookies. No, but (laughs) but
1: I think that they should stop selling popcorn and should start selling coffee. I'm just
0: saying. Oh, that's a
1: good idea. Wouldn't that be a good idea? I think that they would make so much more money. Yeah. Boy Scout coffee.
0: Well, I don't think, listen, not everyone's as crazy about coffee as you.
1: No, I I put something up today on. I mean,
0: people are, I mean, I mean. (laughs) There are a few Starbucks around the country. People do like coffee, but.
1: A few. You know, I put something up today on our Insta story on Our Wandering Family that was asking people what store-bought brand do you really, really love? Because I can't, I would carry the Roastery, which is a Kansas City brand. I would carry them with me the entire time I'm traveling, but I can't. We don't have that kind of space. That's the
0: thing. I don't think the Boy Scouts would do well with coffee because people have their own like specific coffee that they want.
1: I don't know if it was really good. Well. I mean, I need coffee recommendations that I can get anywhere across the country. Don't come at me with vultures. I don't want to hear it. Maybe
0: the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts should just get together and both sell cookies. Because everyone amazing.
1: cookies. Wouldn't that be amazing if you could get. Caramel Delights, and I'm going to call them Caramel Delights. I don't even, I, what do we call them now? Samoas. Samoas.
0: Well, here's what I heard. Well, when I was a Girl Scout, we're, they were, were Caramel Delights. We're really getting off off the, off track here. <laughs> yeah. But they sell them both as Caramel Del- Delights and as Samoas. It depends on the, there are two, manufact- two factories that they're made in. You know, this, spoiler alert, Girl Scouts don't make the cookies. <laughs> like, if you didn't know that by now, Girl Scouts don't make the cookies. I
1: don't know what you're talking but, about. I made mine in my Easy Bake <laughs> oven. There are two <laughs>
0: factories that, I can't believe I know this. There are two factories that the Girl Scout cookies, and these are the ones that we're talking about with caramel and coconut and chocolate.
1: The most amazing cookies out there.
0: The ones made in one factory are called Caramel Delights. The ones made in the other factory are called Samoas. They're the same recipe. I don't know why they're different names, but I don't agree with that. They're (laughs) Caramel Delights.
1: Anyway, before we get back on track, if the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts teamed up and they just started selling Girl Scout cookies, twice a year it just it'd be bank it'd be so much bank
0: <laughs> all right uh next in the news
1: oh my gosh we still have news <laughs>
0: <laughs> we do we're almost done though uh the cost of gasoline is rising in the u.s and we we said that gas prices were going to be up this year we mentioned that early in january when AAA came out with their estimates with gas buddy came out with their estimates gas prices are higher than the estimates were.
1: I think they have the average right now at 2.88. Yeah, the a average gallon. national
0: gas price has increased 3 cents to 2.88 a gallon over the last week. That's an unexpected swing given a drop in gasoline demand and growing inventories according to AAA.
1: Yeah, and we've definitely seen gasoline fuel in general just rising as we have crossed South Dakota and we get closer and closer yeah. to I just I always put it this way as we get closer and closer to California, where everything's <laughs> well, just more expensive. Well, as we expensive.
0: get further and further from refineries. Yes. Although I have no idea where the refineries are. Maybe there's one around here.
1: Maybe. Right.
0: Finally, we also want to mention that our latest episode of the America's National Parks podcast is out. And this one is on Wind Cave National Park, wonderful
1: Wind Cave.
0: We, uh, we were just at, and we will talk about uh, on either next week or the following week's episode. We're not quite sure yet of this podcast, but on the America's National Parks podcast, we've already done it. We did three different stories from from Wind Cave. One as a young explorer who first mapped the cave, and another is a another young uh, teen who was lost in the cave for thirty seven hours. And as actually as a part of a search and re- a mock search and rescue.
1: Yeah. The irony behind it is really, it's really something.
0: And then finally the Lakota people, their origin story is based around wind cave. Wind cave's natural entrance is, is only like the size of a beach ball. And the Lakota people believe that they emerged from that entrance.
1: That story is so fascinating. It's yeah. um, a ranger who is a Lakota who tells the story, and I was so mesmerized listening to her talk. I really, that's my favorite part of the episode for sure.
0: So we hope you all check that out wherever you listen to this podcast. It's there too. Oh, and one more thing before we move on. We keep saying one more thing. One more thing before we we move on. This was
1: a drinking game. It would be (laughs) like every time they say they're going to end this segment, take a drink.
0: We mentioned last week that we've we've restarted the RV chat on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, we hope you'll join us at hashtag RV chat every Sunday night. This week's RV chat this Sunday at 8 central is going to be on planning your route. So we hope you'll join us. You'll get to interact with some other RVers and some brands and uh, it's, a, it's a fun time.
1: Now we are officially going to move on.
0: All right, we're going to take a break <laughs> and when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's. Brain teaser, and we're going to begin talking about Custer State Park in wonderful South Dakota.
1: Be right back. <laughs>
0: We're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. You are diagnosed with a deadly disease and are prescribed two different sets of pills. You must take only one of each pill every day to survive. If you take two of the same pill, you grow a tail and die a painful death. But silly you, with only two days left on your prescription, you accidentally drop your four remaining pills and they get mixed up. They all look the same because this is imaginary world. (laughs) The, (laughs) The pills are completely unmarked and they look exactly the same. You have no way of telling them apart. How do you make sure you take the correct medication?
1: How do you, Jason, in imaginary world? So
0: what you do is you take the four pills and line them up on the table, right? Cut them all in half and then take either all of the right side or all of the left side and you'll you'll definitely have had two different pills.
1: So this has got a little bit of an Alice in Wonderland <laughs> feel to it. Now,
0: we did get an alternative answer. Actually, a couple people mentioned this alternative answer, uh, which was grind it all up into a powder Ooh, and take half of the powder and, like, you know, mix it up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Put it in your protein drink yeah. for the day I think in the morning. Could, I think yeah, that could work. work. That like, could keep you, you know, from turning into dying and turning into a dragon. I don't remember yeah. what happens to you.
0: You get a tail and die a painful death. Oh, okay. I don't know why why you you need a tail. tail. I don't know, but that's part of the painful death. I guess.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) All right. Well, we will have a new brain teaser at the end of the episode. Would
0: you like me to say the name of the winner? Oh, yeah. I can do that this week. I forgot. Okay. See, you forgot too. Sorry. We always forget. Yep. The winner this week is Sarah Hubert, who will win a Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt. And you will have a chance to win one yourself at the end of the show with this week's brain teaser. Let's talk Custer State Park and the Black Hills of South Dakota. But before we do, this segment is sponsored by Boondocker's Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondocker's Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondocker's Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound.
1: And for only $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. And best of all, Boondockers Welcome is offering RV Miles listeners 10% off. So 10% off a $30 a year guest subscription privilege with coupon code RV Miles. That's going to be all one word. So sign up today. And for more information, visit our friends over at Boondockers Welcome to get started. Or we'll provide a link in the show notes. But 10% off RV miles, coupon code boondockerswelcome.com.
0: We're probably, we've already identified a, a potential spot or two on our way from, yes. once we dig out of the snow here uh, on our way to Salt Lake City.
1: I'm at, excited. And they look yeah. so nice. Their profiles, they just look very warm and inviting. Yeah. Come stay in my driveway, yeah. stay in my yard. It's amazing that people do that.
0: All right. What are the black hills of South Dakota, Abigail?
1: I didn't realize we were going to be doing Q&A today. (laughs) Q&A.
0: I think people want to know.
1: Well, they're not black. Let's just get it out there. The hills are not covered with any sort of like black dirt or anything like that. It's just these amazing, beautiful hills that have incredibly dense ponderosa pines of a dark green color just blanketing them. And from a distance, it looks really dark.
0: And it kind of rises out of nowhere, right? Like it's, it's sort of
1: like Badlands. Like you're just, you're trekking along and then all of a sudden, boom.
0: Like flat, not super flat, but rolling prairie and right. then boom, out of nowhere. Black the Hill. Badlands, the, the earth drops out from under you. And here it rises up and it's full of trees and, and mountains. and
1: And it's really wonderful to be amongst so many pines. Yeah. The smell is just oh, it's so divine. It it's is so divine. Uh,
0: pine cones drop like flies. They're dangerous uh, out of the sky <laughs> and heavy. they drop hard because they drop. You know, they drop when they're still young and and full of moisture and yes, and they hurt. And and I could imagine getting a serious dent on your roof uh, from from some of them because they sound like rocks falling from the sky. Uh, but we are so we are Custer State Park is takes up a good portion of the Black Hills.
1: I think it's over 86,000 acres. It is a
0: massive state park. Yeah, it is enormous. There are so many campgrounds in this park. Uh, And we are at one of the more popular ones called Bluebell. And Bluebell is right in the middle of the park.
1: It's a great jumping off point for everything if you in the park because yeah. it's so just like yes. smack dab right in the middle.
0: But it is a long way to get to anything else. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the trade off. You're yeah. in the middle of the park and it's easy to drive. Not as long to drive to all different places within the park. But if you want to get out of the park, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a yeah, From,
0: from, from the east boundary, it's like 40 minutes from the west boundary from Custer. It's about a half hour mm-hmm. to the campground just from the edge of the park. So so it, so it is, is deep in here, but we do, uh, we do have cell service that's working for us. Uh, the, uh, the bathrooms are really nice and clean as they, they seem heated. to be at, uh, at South Dakota State Parks. Although Angostura, where we were before and where we're going back to, theirs are not heated.
1: Theirs are probably closed, actually.
0: But, but the ones here, super warm
1: amongst the campsites there are also cabins that sort of line the outer perimeter of this campground and they overlook a beautiful sort of bluff or hillside that just I think that would be just such a beautiful like cabin experience they do not open the front doors do not open up most of them into the campsite but they actually open up into the forest and into the hills very beautiful even this time of year even with this snowstorm coming, I'm surprised by how many people are here.
0: The, the campsites themselves are not very level.
1: No, they're not very level at uh, all.
0: Though I had read reviews before we got here saying that and saying that they are super unlevel, And I think they, they are better than I was prepared for. I'll say that. And I think if you have a travel trailer, you'll have no issues here. If you have a motorhome, just sort of depends on your leveling system. Yeah, it's Since, not been
1: the best for us just because our bus doesn't come with any kind of leveling yeah, we system. We go up on
0: blocks and We do, and we so it go so far.
1: Yeah, so I I always feel like we're we, well not always we are, we're leaning back. Yeah. And that's been a little annoying, but not so much that we're uncomfortable or anything. But,
0: but this is also a perfect example of what we've talked about several times before when people say that you have to have a certain you know, short length of RV to fit in some campgrounds like this. We are in a site that is labeled as 35 feet, right? But we are 37 feet and we also have our 17 foot minivan parked in our site. And that's because a, the site is angled. And when the sites are angled, they usually measure on the short side. B they underestimate. So, I actually walked it, and it's more like forty feet long. And see, you can usually overhang off the back, and we have a good big overhang behind our rear wheels—about eight or nine feet of our bus can overhang the the back of a campsite if there's no trees or other obstructions there. Yeah, so- I think
1: when we were in Fort Pickens, we actually went into some thirty. 30- foot sites we, because no, we, we could, were in a
0: 27 foot a 20, site. Yeah. Oh Pickens. wow. We didn't have room for our van in that site.
1: We didn't, uh, but,
0: but we it did. makes
1: a huge difference when you can play around a little bit with the sites. And I know that you did a walkthrough video of this campground yeah. and kind of gave, you know, some examples of how it looks, you know, and that even this fifth wheel that's next to us, they are overhanging the back as well on their fifth wheel. Yeah.
0: We had to go on like Google Earth or, or Google, into google maps and see the satellite view to sort of figure that out a bit there's a great website uh campsitephotos.com or dot net or something you can google it that shows photos of actual individual sites and that's very helpful although this site we are in was the one site that they didn't have a photo for oddly
1: no it was 14e
0: was it 14 yeah we're in, we're in 12 the one that they did
1: yeah and when we were originally going to come here we wanted to be in 14 and we couldn't tell by the photos and even by Google Earth if that tree was bumped up right against the campsite. And so if it had been, we would not have been able to take that spot. Thankfully, this spot opened up and we took this. But now we got now that we're here. Yeah, I mean, clearly could have taken that other spot.
0: So we put in, in in the search, we put in 35 feet, even though we're 37 feet and only four campsites in this park popped up. To be that length or longer. I'm looking at the campsites outside right now, and I think we could fit in every single one of them.
1: There's not been a campsite I've seen. There as might I've been be out one running. or two
0: with a, a tree at the back of it. Yeah. But, but for the most part, I so, mean do your homework. Yeah. Don't,
1: you know, we're not advocating that you should ever book a site that is smaller than your rig unless you have done your due diligence and really tried to find out as much information as you can. When Jason and I are trying to make the decision if we're going to get into a spot that claims to be smaller. We use as many resources as we can. Jason's mentioned that camp photos. Google Earth. We'll go to YouTube sometimes, see if people have done drive throughs
0: Sometimes you can just Google like Bluebell Campground Site 12, and then that might show you that somebody has mentioned Site 12 on a review somewhere yeah. on one site. And you might find it that way. Yeah, it, not always, but sometimes you can.
1: So just do your homework and then make the best informed decision that you can.
0: So what can you do at Custer State Park?
1: What here? can you not do at Custer <laughs> State Park should really be the like question. Like we
0: said, this place is huge. There are not only are it does this campground have the cabins, and and outside of it there is a, a little general store with a little gas pump. Across the way there's a lodge called the Bluebell Lodge. But all around Custer State Park, there are several more lodges.
1: Uh, there's a stable as you enter here into Bluebell Campground as well. So you can go and hit a trail. Yeah,
0: you can take some. You can take a horse tour, a guided horse tour.
1: Yeah, it's, there's really this Bluebell Lodge. They also have chuck wagons, which is going to be happening during peak season. We're not here during the peak season, so yeah. a lot of this stuff isn't happening. But I bet in the summertime, this place is just popping.
0: So this is this is early October. And like we said, there is a big snowstorm coming. So we are just sort of right on the shoulder of when it's really kind of okay to camp up here. Of course, you can be in snow if you want to. Uh, but a lot of stuff has closed down for the season. Uh, some of the little general stores have closed down. We drove into Custer, the town of Custer, yesterday, and a lot of stores in Custer have closed. A lot of restaurants have closed for the season. We
1: were in need of some Wi-Fi, and I had seen some reviews for this place called the 1881 Bank Coffee House. And I was so excited to go there because it was a coffee house inside of a historical building that used to be a bank. And (laughs) we headed that way for it, pulled up. Not only was it closed for the season, it was closed. It's actually being auctioned off at the end of the month, which was a very huge disappointment for all of us. But then as we walked this beautiful little town square, this little strip that they have on their main street, everything was closed for the season. And a lot of the signs were saying we will reopen in May. So their season seems to be very, very short up here. Yeah. And we did end up at the local library. Thank you over and over and over again to local libraries across the country for having access to free wifi. And we were able to go in there, stay warm, do what we needed to do, and then have dinner at Pizza Hut because that was the <laughs> only thing that was open. So, <laughs> so, you know, we still got our pizza in at Custer. We just can't recommend a local pizza place, but we did enjoy some Pizza Hut and we got to watch a little Thursday night football. <laughs>
0: So the biggest thing you can do in Custer State Park, there are some there are several trails to some cool places. Uh, there are several lakes. You can go to some of these mountain lakes. Sylvan Lake is the very popular one. Uh, and you can canoe and and that kind of stuff and fish. But the biggest thing to do in Custer State Park is scenic drives. And we started off coming into Custer from Wind Cave. So when you come from Hot Springs, South Dakota, from the south side of the Black Hills, To get up into Custer, you drive up through Wind Cave National Park and it borders Custer State Park. So it's U.S. 385, which actually goes all the way down to Big Bend National Park at the southern tip of Texas.
1: Really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. That would be a fun drive.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but that is, that was a really nice drive up to this campground. But most people are going to enter Custer coming from the east or west actually most people are going to end up coming from the east. So if you come from the east, you're not far from Badlands. It only is like, I don't know, like 70 miles from Badlands. Yeah, National it's not Park far. To Rapid City. So Rapid City is, it would take us from this campground an hour to drive to, to Rapid City, but from some of the outskirt campgrounds of Custer, it's a lot closer.
1: Yeah. When we first got here, we dropped anchor and then needed to go into Rapid City to do laundry and we wanted to find a major grocery store and everything. Yeah, And that was just so much more epic than we thought it was going to be. And we had our kids out until midnight. <laughs> so that's another thing about this campground. They don't close down at any time. You can get into the park at any hours. because the, And the Epperson's have tested that for you <laughs> by going into Rapid City and not getting back until midnight. And but w- it was it was too much of a drive. I didn't think it was going to be that long. And I thought, if there's anything else we need... Now I know why cheese is 6 dollars at this general store. Yeah, right. Cuz ain't nobody driving into Rapid City Yeah, for a jug cheese. of
0: water is 3.85. <laughs> it's
1: just really a 92 <laughs> cent jug of water is 3.85 but, at the general store. But you store. can
0: drive in if you do from here if you want to drive to a grocery store, you can go to Custer and they do have Absolutely. Store but
1: Custer. again, those prices, I'm just saying yeah. like if you are wanting to go into a big shop and you
0: Well, know, it takes a lot for them to get stuff to those places. Of course. I'm, I'm of sure, course. They're not well. just
1: yanking the prices up because you know they feel like it their their cost to get those things up here is is greater
0: so that's one scenic drive you can take is up through or down to wind cave national park there's one big road uh one big loop road called the wildlife loop that goes through most of their sort of prairie areas of the park and you can travel that and you can see buffalo prairie dogs pronghorn uh, all the same sort of animals that we've bison. been seeing. I said buffalo. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. sorry. Same thing, but not really because they're actually Same thing, bison. not really. Yes. But this this park and Wind Cave in particular are really great places to see wildlife. So we definitely have seen a lot while we've been up here.
1: We have seen more bison in the last week and a half. Than I have seen collectively in my entire life <laughs> at and zoos
0: it, or wherever, wherever. these ones are just, out in the wild and
1: oh it's been yeah. so spectacular to see them in the wild just and knowing the history our history with bison and how close we came to losing these majestic creatures to see them now again just oh oh man
0: it's pretty special it's
1: yeah it's pretty amazing
0: so the other two big scenic drives so these are So great. And I'm so thrilled that we were able to do them. I've been planning to do them for years. They're both part of official Peter Norbeck scenic drive. Peter Norbeck was a governor and Senator who was sort of responsible for Custer state park and for creating these roads. The first one being iron mountain road and iron mountain road goes from sort of the heart of Custer state park up to Mount Rushmore. It's a really windy, twisty drive that was said to sort of be impossible to build, but they did it. And Peter Norbeck actually took like I think a horse or a mule on the route through what he want, wanted this this drive to take. And it's uh we saw plenty of animals, we saw plenty of big scenic vistas, and you go through two tunnels on there and there are More that are further past Mount Rushmore. But if you go from the south side, if you go up from Custer up to Mount Rushmore, it's the perfect introduction to Rushmore because one of the tunnels you go through perfectly frames Mount Rushmore.
1: It is the most perfect introduction to Mount Rushmore. If you have never laid eyes on this monument, to come out of this rock stone tunnel that's one lane. And what you see is just Mount Rushmore, just perfectly framed. I was giddy with excitement and the kids were so thrilled. Poor little Henry in his car seat, though. He
0: couldn't see it. And he's just going,
1: (laughs) I can't see it, you guys. Where is it? Where is it?
0: Well, and then you take several, then you continue after, after that, after you first see it through that first tunnel, then you see it many times as you continue down the road through hairpin turns and pigtail turns. And until you get to the top of the mountain, where you get to the Peter Norbeck scenic overlook.
1: Yeah, and if anyone follows us on Facebook, you know that Jason loves the pigtail turns. We <laughs> there's there's a video up on our Facebook page that just gives a little bit of this drive that we took. And uh, well, and
0: they crafted these bridges on these pigtail turns. They crafted oh, from the beautiful. logs of yes. the trees right there, and and they are stunning. And then you get up to this overlook. And it's a excellent view of Mount Rushmore from far away. Yeah. So you're not there at the visitor center yet, uh, but the, the route finishes at, at Mount Rushmore, but you get this vast view of the wilderness with Mount Rushmore right there, sort of in the middle of it, a really stunning spot to see the whole Black Hills area.
1: Yeah. And we talked a little bit about this on our drive because. We had a pretty secluded drive in the sense that it was just kind of us on these roads and a few cars here and there, and it was beautiful. And the fall colors were starting to come in now to the Black Hills. I would suspect that that is not the peacefulness of the drive. Maybe a little diminished in the summer. Yeah, I would and suspect, especially
0: on the weekends.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. I would suspect that it's very very busy and just driving the road at the speed limit requested and required. Took us, I think, a little over an hour
0: from from our campground. From it our took campground. us a little over an hour from yeah. the beginning of the road. It was probably closer to forty five minutes.
1: But I would say that that is probably increased in the summertime. Yeah. You're going to be dealing with a lot of people pulling off on. There's several pull offs wanting to get back on, and then that well, overlook we stopped at, I bet, is also very busy. The other in the thing summertime. that
0: happens in the summer is tour buses like to take this route.
1: I don't understand how that's possible. So, I keep trying to imagine this in my head because those lanes, even the, if you put two the, the, cars side yes. by side, they barely fit. So it's hard for me to well, imagine and how tour to buses the do that.
0: And, and so what happens is that traffic gets way backed up at the tunnel because you're waiting for a tour bus to go through it very, very slowly because the tunnel is like nine feet wide and the tour bus is like eight and a half feet wide.
1: Yeah. Jason, had this wild idea that he could drive the bus. I could drive the and bus, and I was like, "I'm not going mm-mm. to drive the bus through." It. We're just, not doing that. I could. I'm sure <laughs> that you could. That doesn't mean that we should. And just because a, a tour bus can, doesn't mean it should as well.
0: Anyway, the Iron Mountain Road is a fantastic way to introduce yourself and to get to Mount Rushmore. Yes,
1: it's not to be skipped. That is yeah, hands down. It should be
0: part of visiting Mount Rushmore. Yes, don't absolutely. go in from Rapid City. No, please don't come down. Take the Iron Mountain Road and take it that direction, take it north. You could take it back south as well, but it's just such a cool way to experience Rushmore. We're not going to talk about Rushmore itself on this episode. We're going to talk about that either next week or the following week because there's a lot more to actually visiting Mount Rushmore that we want to get into. But the other scenic drive that we want to mention here is the Needles Highway, which is a very similar thing with totally different views, only a couple miles from each other.
1: And it was a drive we almost didn't do. We did there it yesterday. There was so
0: much fog where we are. We yeah. thought we won't see anything.
1: Plus, we didn't feel like it would be very safe because, again, you're dealing with one lane tunnels. There was you're...
0: freezing rain that morning. Yes,
1: and the and Mother Nature just sort of opened up for us early afternoon. It warmed up a little bit. The sun started to come out, and we just knew this is we we get one shot at this. And let's go take it right now. We dropped everything we were doing and we jumped in the car. And oh, I have been thinking about this because I've got a lot of questions on Instagram about it. And I really think Needles Highway beats Iron Mountain Road for me.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing I about just, Needles Highway is the scenery is is the needles. I mean, the needles are these rock formations that are just vertical spires that go straight up and they're all over the place and they're vast and stunning. And I guess the original idea for Mount Rushmore was not going to be Mount Rushmore. It was going to be these needle spires carved into different figures from American history, like
1: uh, Buffalo, w- Bill. Buffalo Bill
0: and, and stuff. Just
1: didn't make any sense at all.
0: <laughs> so wh- instead, you know, luckily they decided to do presidents and that made a little bit more sense. And they left the needles alone because they are just, they're stunning. The road is very twisty, windy mountain road. You gain a lot of elevation. You go down a lot. And and there are lots of places to stop and see some really neat views. A lot of pigtail turns. And the tunnels on this road oh, are even smaller. They're amazing. So you could take an RV on Iron Mountain Road. A, a smaller one, you'd be fine. On the needles highway the tunnels get down to eight feet and and that's less than the width of most rvs most rvs are eight and a half so but we so we drove our minivan and eight feet through a tunnel i mean literally you can reach out and touch the walls of the tunnel
1: yeah if you're interested (laughs) in seeing a visual i put um a short video up on instagram of us driving through the tunnel and you can see like we kind of just put our hands out and we're not touching the tunnel but it looks like we are. We're so close. almost too close. Like it, yeah, I mean, we got like little, six inches on each side. Yeah, it's, it, it's
0: close. It was a From little the much. mirrors. Yeah. But
1: when you come out of that tunnel and you have that overlook and you yeah. have these needles and it just... oh, it's so spectacular. And again, if you find yourself here at Custer and you want to go into Custer, South Dakota, take the Needles highway. Don't go the other direction go on needles because you will be rewarded with a gorgeous drive. Well,
0: and what you get at the end of the needles highway too is Sylvan Lake. And Sylvan Lake is a a, a mountain lake that is just stunning, especially when it's flat and when we were up there it was the the lake was warmer than the than the air, so the steam was rising off of it. Wow.
1: Yeah. And, you know, when we started this drive on Needles Highway, Jason is saying to me, you know, look at the steam coming off the road. Wouldn't it just be majestic to see bison or elk in this environment right now As there was frost still on the pines. And, you know, he was just very much wanted to see wildlife. And I'll be darned if not like five minutes later, just plopped down on the side of the road was a bison. And it was spectacular to see in in that.
0: Winter environment. Somebody told us that there was a cougar on the road.
1: A mountain lion or a cougar? I thought it was a mountain lion. I'm oh, sorry, a
0: mountain lion. I don't, you know, and who knows? I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but we missed it. They said it was, it's, oh, it's just two turns ahead. It's just laying out on the road. And it wasn't there when we got there. But, uh, but it, we definitely saw wildlife on this route as well. And I would have loved to spend more time up in the Sylvan Lake area, which is part of Custer State Park. There are some trails you can do up there and get up to some really high overlooks or you can just spend time at the lake. There's a lodge there. The lodge was closed uh, for the season when we were up there in the little general store. But
1: yeah. And then another thing I just want to caution about though with these two drives is that if you or anyone in your party is really prone to motion sickness, it would behoove everyone to take some precautions or just be mindful of that our kids and even myself a little bit, but our kids really, Have some pretty severe motion sickness. And so we have this little thing I do with them where I don't ask, but I just put my thumb up, like a thumbs up, and I wait for everyone to give me a thumbs up. And if I get a thumbs up from everyone, I know that they're doing okay on the drive. If someone gives me a thumbs down, I tell Jason we need to pull over. There are plenty of places you can pull over if someone in your party needs to get out of the car, but just be really mindful of that. It is twisty and turny and up and down. And it can get a little overwhelming for someone who's motion sickness prone.
0: All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Roundup.
1: And how proud I am of our family for even making it there. (laughs)
0: We'll be right back. All right, we're back. The Buffalo Roundup, the great Buffalo Roundup. This is a, if you've never heard of this, this is a big event that happens every year in Custer State Park.
1: And they are very proud of this event here in the state of South Dakota.
0: The state park itself has a herd of bison or Buffalo. Everybody out here calls them Buffalo. Their technical name is bison.
1: Their technical name is bison, bison, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's bison, bison. It's bison, bison. Uh,
0: buffalo actually don't exist in the U.S. They're sort of like a, you know, like what you would think of a, like a water buffalo. That, no, but that's the a name,
1: buffalo. the name comes, it's French. And they would call it like le bouffe uh, for the meat. And then that just sort of ended up being called buffalo. And that's why so many European Americans who made their way west didn't call them bison. They called them Buffalo.
0: Anyway, the Buffalo Roundup is when they take the entire herd of buffalo from Custer State Park. The the park is fenced in. They can't get out of the park, even though it's massive. They take them all in to corrals once a year to do a health checkup, to count them, to vaccinate the the newborns. And then the park can only sustain a certain amount of, of bison. So they actually auction off to to farms the 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 ones that uh, that are over the the maximum population. Yeah,
1: that, I don't know what home. their requirements are for like who gets to stay and who has to go, yeah, I but I I can't. So it's interesting. <laughs> it's like cluster has make.
0: its own herd, and then there are bison in Wind Cave, which is nearby, but they're not the same herd. But you get you can see them here. In Custer State Park, this big herd of 1,300 or so. I think it bison.
1: was around 1,300 that they rounded up
0: this time. Yeah. So the roundup takes place in this big valley where there are two hillsides for spectators and a bunch of cowboys and volunteers and trucks, uh, but mostly on and horseback. And state officials.
1: I'm pretty sure there were plenty yeah. of state officials on hand as well.
0: They do a good old-fashioned cattle drive, but it's, it's Buffalo. And they drive them into the corrals. So you get to see just this massive herd coming over the hills. And you'll never see as many bison together at one place ever.
1: When we attended this event, we were actually still staying at Angostura. So we weren't here. Which is
0: south of Wind Cave. So Wind Cave is south of Custer. Angostura is in Hot Springs south of Wind Cave.
1: Correct. And so we weren't here in the park and we had read all the material that says you need to get up 6.30 in the morning. That's when you need to get there between 6 and 6.30. I think they opened their uh, parking lot at 6.15. We knew that we were about a 45 minute drive,
0: I think. Yeah, yeah. About 45. Yeah,
1: we knew we were about 45 minutes. And so we had our kids up at five thirty in the morning on a Friday, loaded our family up into the car by six, maybe like six ten. And it was an it was not a nice weather day. It was very, very cold. It had been raining.
0: It had snowed overnight. There was snow. It had snow snowed on up car. here
1: in Custer. Yeah. So I think that the reason why we sailed through to getting to Custer sailed into our parking spot. We were parked, I think, by like seven in the morning, seven ten. Mm-hmm was due to the weather. Had the weather predicted like that it was going to be nicer, we probably would have tried to leave even earlier because the traffic, everyone just kept saying to us, oh, this is, this is nothing. Yeah. This is nothing. Yeah. And for it to be nothing, there were a lot of people there. Like a lot of people on both the south side spectating area and the north side. So if this is something you ever want to do, just Know that like you're gonna need to be up and on the road sometimes five thirty six. It just kind of depends. They do.
0: They close the parking. They close the entrance to the park off at a certain time. I think it was
1: eight forty five in the morning. They closed the gates. And the
0: and the Buffalo Roundup happens. They sort of drive them in around nine thirty. And uh, but the the deal with getting early is really just to get a parking spot.
1: And then to get a good and spot to, get to get good, view. But,
0: but I think. So there's, like we said, there's the north parking and there's the south parking and you can't, you can see each other, but you, you, if you're you not come allowed in the, to cross, if you come in from the north, you have to park on the north side, you come in the south, you have to park. on the And then south you have
1: side. to stay on that side. Like you can't park on the south right. and then walk to the north. You have so, to require you to stay. They're so very controlled.
0: We're on the south side and we got some good spots. We thought to sit. I think we would have chose different ones next time. People either line up along the fence or they line up on the road or they line up on the hill above the road, uh, sort of tiers. And I think any of those are fine. Um,
1: Yeah, I wish we had been the people, though, that broke from the group and actually went to, there was kind of a hill to the left of us, and they went up there because they got the view. The bison are going to come in, if you're on the south side, they're going to come in behind you up over the hills.
0: sort of do a half circle around.
1: Yeah, and then they're going to sweep around before they come down into the valley, those people to the left of us who had gone up and kind of um, went rogue up onto this hill, they had the whole, they got the whole view. They got the bison coming up over the hill. They got them rounding around. They got them down into the valley and they even got them going into the corral. That was the spot that I said to Jason, next year, that's where we go if we're here.
0: uh, The other thing though I was thinking is that maybe I would have chosen the north side. Uh, Instead of the south side. And the reason being is near the last minute, all kinds of tour buses started showing up on the south side.
1: Yeah, that was a real issue. That was part of the reason why we couldn't see the bison round Most of the tour
0: buses, uh, there were a few we could see parked on the north side. But it looked like they'd sent most of them to the south side. And so you all, you know, you get good spots to see and everything. And then a whole bunch of people come out. Of tour buses and, and sort of fill up the area. So I, there were a lot of people on the north side as well. Each side has a big tent where they do a breakfast. I believe it was $8. And it was pancakes um, and sausage. Pancake sausage, coffee. all kinds of stuff. The mud was so deep in line yeah, was, <laughs> for, for oh breakfast. Man. We didn't do that. We kind of had a little breakfast before we got in. But I think I think skip the breakfast. I think this is a tailgating event.
1: The people that were tailgating behind yeah. us, there were about 12 to 15 of them and they had out a table. They had cider and coffee. I saw casseroles. I so wanted them to adopt me. I want. <laughs> I, I kept thinking if I just walk over there and like start chatting someone up, will they just naturally think I'm here? And then I can go, <laughs> like, go get a plate of the food because it just looked so warm because it was very cold. And we did end up, Because like I said, we got there about seven and we had two and a half to almost three hours before the bison arrived. We did end up kind of putting our chairs on our spot. And because it was misty and rainy, we sat for a really long time with the kids in the car and they just watched Star Wars because it was very, it was cold.
0: Now, if you're thinking about driving your RV there and just waiting out in your RV, they do request that you don't bring large RVs there.
1: Yeah. They and, don't want you driving your class A. I
0: mean, it is it is muddy, dirty. Uh,
1: it's not a paved parking lot. I, I mean, lot.
0: our vehicle was our our minivan was covered in mud.
1: Yeah, that you was go amazing. A several
0: mile road of mud and then the parking lot itself is mud as well. Yeah, we went into all that.
1: We went into Rapid City after the event to get some food and to clean the car and when Jason would open the doors between the door and the the frame of the car was just this thick like inch thick mud yeah I mean the car was covered it's still on there it's still on the undercarriage it's still on the undercarriage I'd never seen it so dirty (laughs) and there was this part of me I'm going to be perfectly honest I was so proud of how dirty we were I was proud of us for getting up and not letting the weather get to us. I was
0: proud of you for not having a panic attack over the dirtiness of our van. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Now, I so I knew we were gonna clean it, so I was I was good.
0: So definitely don't you you do not want to take a large RV up there. And I don't they might even charge you or not allow you to take one up there. But you can take if you have a class B or you've got a truck camper, that sort of thing, you could take that up there and 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 wait it out in, in that, but definitely not a trailer or a class A or even a small C I would not take.
1: Yeah and if this is something you have been on the fence like that you want to do but you're not sure absolutely recommend it. It is an experience of a lifetime and we almost didn't go because we saw that the weather was not going to be favorable but I happened to be at a local coffee shop the day before and I was working there and I was chatting up uh, one of the baristas and I asked him I said in your opinion do we, or do we not go to this tomorrow? The weather looks awful. And he said, you absolutely 100% you go. And he said, okay, if a local is telling me we go to this event, we go to this event.
0: Yeah. And we actually didn't, we only knew about it several days before we went from somebody in our national park Facebook group who mentioned it. And then several others were like, "Oh, are you going to the Buffalo roundup? Oh, you should go. Yeah. And uh no, I'm I'm just so, I'm so glad we did. Happy we did. It was well worth it. And we didn't plan our trip around going to it, but we did. And uh and that's one of the things we find on our journeys, you know, you get to an area and you find they have special events going on.
1: Just stay um, open to what's around you. Open. It's the yeah. it's unpredictability.
0: Like Bacon Bash. When we <laughs> went to Bacon Bash in River Falls, Wisconsin. Yeah, so Bacon. the other thing though about I want to mention before we go, we we gotta wrap up. We're getting long here. That uh, about the Buffalo Roundup is that it's not just, it happens on a Friday at the end of September every year. And then throughout the weekend, then you can go visit, the I think you can go visit the bison in the corrals. Yes, you can. But there's also the Buffalo Roundup Arts Festival, which is happening. They have a big, really cool event area in Custer State Park near the Visitor Center which is a nice visitor center Beautiful as well.
1: visitor center. And
0: there, there's a big arts festival where they have a lot of arts and crafts for you to experience over the course of that weekend as well.
1: This is an event here in Custer. It's probably, it is their biggest event of the year. If it's something you really want to do and you want to stay in this park, book it when the window opens up. I think for the South Dakota state parks, you can book four months in advance. I think that's what I read yeah. on the website. So, you know, know that this is, they've already got September I think it's September 29th, 2019 next year. So just know that come May 29th, if you really want to be in Custer for it, you better be booking your spot because it's going to go fast.
0: Okay, we're going to talk more about the Black Hills next week and even the week after. So we've got a lot more to come about this really special area of the country. So let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. One rabbit saw six elephants while going to the river. Every elephant saw two monkeys going towards the river. Each monkey was holding one parrot and one banana. How many animals were going towards the river? You might need to rewind that a few times. (laughs) Yeah, I have
1: the show notes here, and I'm like, huh? (laughs) What?
0: (laughs) We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast.
1: We sure will. And if you are enjoying this podcast, we would love a five-star review over on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. And we would greatly appreciate it if you would share with your family and friends or around your next campfire. And again, as always, we are so grateful that you join us every week and we wish you the very best coming week. And until next time, keep logging those RV miles.
0: Bye, everybody.